moving pictures, you know. Moving pictures. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elpstrom. The earliest 20th century was the era of vaudeville. Unique live acts took their performances all over the world, performing in all varieties of theaters, but the best were grand palaces filled with lavish decoration and tributes to classical architectural styles. Many of these theaters survived vaudeville and found new life as elegant movie palaces. Texas, of course, had its share, including the Majestics, a string of venues operated by Carl Hoblitzel and his Interstate Amusement Company. But first, what's your favorite Texas-themed item that you have made with your own hands? Well, my favorite is a chicken fried steak that I fried in my own frying pan. And, of course, the chicken fried steak was invented in Texas. Of course, of course. Um, I would would stay with the uh, the food theme and say that it's the uh, the Texas-shaped waffles that I cooked the other day with uh, the Texas-shaped waffle iron that I got for Christmas. But that feels like cheating. Um, so really, I'd have to say that one of my very favorite uh, Texas-themed items that I've made with my own hands was a replica of an early Texan uh, Lutheran church that I constructed out of balsa wood uh, for my seventh grade Texas history class. Um, I think it now resides in my parents' attic, where it is home to uh, probably thousands of, I would assume, Lutheran spiders. Well, I'm going to say that uh, I created a Texas podcast about Texas history with some of my very best friends. Boom! Mic drop. Yeah, that's cheating. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when... <laughs> No, this this project, this three year project has been has been a huge thing. It's been a huge part of my life and something I'm super proud of. And is probably of all of any of the arts and crafts thing, the most uh, successful Texas theme thing that I've created. Born in St. Louis, October twenty second, eighteen seventy nine, and one of thirteen children, Carl Hoblitzel was forced to leave his studies after grammar school to help support his family. He held jobs in a real estate office and a soap factory and was forced to leave a venture in farming due to illness. He found himself working as an office boy after this for Isaac Taylor, the director of works for the St. Louis World's Fair. Showing talent and initiative, Hablitzel worked his way into a job as a secretary and then director of works for the fair demolition. Soon thereafter, his contacts in the entertainment industry brought him news of demand for the vaudeville circuit in the Southwest. In 1905, he and his brother, along with their other partners, founded the Interstate Amusement Company. They built a string of theaters across Texas and the Southwest, including Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas. One of the first things that Hoblitzel did was institute a policy of censoring the acts to be family-friendly. This helped the circuit shed its saloon image. Eventually, as time passed and the heyday of vaudeville came to a close, Hoblitzel and his company would branch out into movie theaters and real estate and even oil and insurance businesses. But his contributions to theater and the arts were what most people will remember. With the services of renowned theater architect and designer John Aberson, Hoblitzel constructed and managed several grand theaters in Texas, all bearing the name Majestic. 
The Majestic Theater of Austin was built in 1915 by Ernest Nail, situated just south of the Texas State Capitol Building. Renowned theater designer John Eberson was the architect, and like many others, it featured a neoclassical revival style. Nail paid $150,000 for the construction and built the theater on land that his family had owned since 1885. The Majestic Theater seated 1,400 patrons. Like the other theater palaces of the era, the Majestic in Austin was a vaudeville house. Early acts included the Marx Brothers, John Philip Sousa, the Metropolitan Opera, and Mae West, as well as Harry Houdini in 1916. Later, films were added to the schedule. Moving pictures, you know. Moving pictures. In 1930, the Majestic was purchased by Carl Hoblitzel's Interstate Amusement Company and was renamed the Paramount. Following Hoblitzel's commitment to community service, the Paramount was an important promoter of war bonds in the 1940s, receiving a commendation from the U.S. Treasury as a result. Yeah, they raised a ton of money for the war effort. For our boys overseas. That's right. The Paramount continued to show films through the 1950s, but the emergence of suburban multiplexes, not to mention television, caused a drastic drop in attendance. The theater continued to host special events such as movie premieres, including the 1966 premiere of the Batman movie, but by the late 1960s was essentially a B-movie house showing uh, cheap films to small audiences. It wasn't until 1973 that the Paramount was purchased by John M. Bernadoni, Charles Ackerman, and Stephen L. Scott, three owners with grand dreams for bringing back the heyday of live performances. They started showing classic films, and jazz legend Dave Brubeck was the first live performance on the Paramount stage in many years. Uh, he played on February 2nd, 1975. The new owners formed the Austin Theater Company to ensure funding for the Paramount's new community focus. The Texas Historical Commission dedicated a marker for the site in 1977, and being listed on the National Registry of Historic Places also brought federal funds for restoration and renovation. Major work began in September of 1977 and brought the venerable old theater up to the standards of major touring companies. Notably, the original fire curtain was found hanging in the rafters in pristine condition. It features a pastoral scene designed by Tobin of St. Louis and continues to frame the stage today. Since 1980, the Paramount has hosted shows such as My Fair Lady, Avida, A Chorus Line, and many more productions and concerts featuring stars of all stature. Yeah, so my parents have seen Jersey Boys there, and my mom and uh, has taken my niece to see Wicked there. It's a great that's theater. W- that's Wicked. <laughs> Um, Well, so the Paramount has also continued to serve as the premiered location for movie premieres and the celebration of film culture in Austin. The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, starring Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds, premiered there in 1982, and it included a parade through the middle of Austin. It serves as the venue for many other film-related events, including the famed South by Southwest Festival every March. The Paramount Theater uh, donated its archives to the University of Texas Fine Arts Library in 2006, which included materials like posters, videotapes, uh, programs, and playbills dating back to the 1970s. Uh, It's a shame they didn't have earlier things to donate as well. 2015 was the theater's centennial birthday and was highlighted by the restoration and relighting of the Paramount Blade sign on the building's facade. Uh, That had been removed in 1963 for refurbishing, but had since languished in a warehouse somewhere. It never quite made it back to the building until 2015. 
Uh, the theater's annual schedule uh, includes participation in the aforementioned South by Southwest, as well as the Austin Film Festival. And since 2012, they have started the Moon Tower Comedy and Oddity Festival. It's very much central to the Austin film scene, which uh, is kind of a big deal these days. Yeah, so. and, and, and it literally is walking distance from the Capitol, yeah. the Capitol building. Yep. And although it's no longer called the Majestic, it did start its life as a Majestic um, run by Carl Hoblitzel, so it made the list. On April 21st, 1921, the new Majestic Theater opened in downtown Dallas, built to replace a previous Majestic Theater that had burned down in 1917. Constructed in the Renaissance Revival style, it cost $2 million and had a seating capacity of 2800 The interior was truly opulent, featuring a magnificent Baroque-styled lobby, black-and-white Vermont marble floors, and Corinthian columns. An ornate cage elevator gave access to the two balconies in addition to two marble staircases. A sky of floating clouds and mechanical twinkling stars adorned the ceiling of this beautiful auditorium. As one would expect of such a grand venue, the Majestic hosted a variety of big-name acts. Bob Hope, Mae West, and big bands featuring Cab Calloway and Duke Ellington, and again, Harry Houdini, graced the stage during the vaudeville era. 1922 saw the introduction of films to the live theater offerings and movie fe- and movie premieres featuring Jimmy Stewart, Gregory Peck, and John Wayne all came into town. The Majestic started showing films exclusively in 1932 and was designated a, quote, man's house and showed only macho movies featuring stars such as Humphrey Bogart and James Cagney. It was paired with the Palace Theater nearby on Theater Row, which was the ladies' house. The Majestic's first life came to an end when it closed following the final showing of the James Bond film Live and Let Die on July 16, 1973. I would presume that uh, all the attendees of that final showing had to be awakened and asked to leave. But uh, you can cut that out. That's my personal That's opinion. Personal note, Scott does not love Live and Let Die. <laughs> personal <laughs> note, two- I love Live and Let Die. It's one of my live favorite and let die has. Put me to sleep twice. Oh, so, and, I, uh, and I adore that movie because it has voodoo. You know why I adore <laughs> that movie? I adore we'll, we'll that We'll table movie. that for a different podcast. And a great theme song. There will be a future episode that discusses the history of Glastron boats of San Marcos, <laughs> Texas, that are exclusively featured in the amazing Bayou Boat Chase. There's yes. the tie-in. There's the Texas tie-in. Awesome. I am all over that. The Majestic was the grandest resident of the Theater Row in Dallas, and is the only one to remain standing. Other venues, such as the Palace, the Rialto, and Telenews, which featured only newsreels, and, of course, the live burlesque theater, the Fox, were all demolished by the late 1970s, because nothing good happened in the 1970s. During this fallow period, the Majestic notably served as a filming location for Brian De Palma's cult classic comedy horror film, The Phantom of the Paradise. In the film, the Majestic is ironically named the titular Paradise, which was one of its sister theaters in real life. Texas native and soon-to-be film star Sissy Spacek worked as the film's set dresser. She was the girlfriend and later husband. She was the girlfriend and later wife to the film's production designer. The Hoblitzel Foundation, which continues to contribute grants to the arts in the Dallas area, gave the Majestic to the city of Dallas in 1976 to be restored for use as a performing arts center. The original Corinthian columns were repaired, and 23-karat gold leaf was reapplied to the ornate features in the auditorium. In addition to replacing the seats, the first balcony 
was divided into box seating. Now, a contributing property to the Harwood Historic District and managed by the City of Dallas Office of Cultural Affairs, the Majestic continues to host performing arts of various types, concerts, comedy shows, and the occasional special film presentation. Uh, You can even book it for corporate events and private functions. Maybe someday they will host a live podcast recording. (laughs) It is is a a fantastic theater. I have seen, I think at least twice I've seen The Nutcracker there. I also saw Rent twice there uh, and seen a couple other things that most recently hosted a all-day Star Wars marathon where they showed the original three movies of the Star Wars trilogy. You just... You just stepped on my thunder a little bit, but I was going to mention. It. I was going to mention that the uh, the majestic in Dallas uh, was the second of the old movie palaces that I have had the privilege of seeing the Star Wars trilogy in. Uh, the first was the Hippodrome in Waco uh, many years ago uh, when I was a freshman in college. Uh, we will probably discuss the Hippodrome in a future episode, but it was another early uh, vaudeville theater in texas that uh became a movie theater but yeah the majestic in dallas is a really great building uh there's a lot of history in the building um they actually have it's not really a museum but they've got some display cases down in the basement where they have some old memorabilia from that from the early days it's really cool to check out and and i don't know if they've done a podcast there i think that they had a live showing of riff tracks there though uh several years yeah I'd, i'd have to look it up but i think uh uh kevin smith uh, did one of his yeah. live shows there. Uh, so, yeah, they did. They do a lot of cool stuff there. It's a great venue. Well, I I think let's let's not um, let's not just gloss over the fact that Phantom of the Paradise is shot there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, or, or, or maybe it's just a it, movie. A movie I have not had the uh, I guess privilege of seeing just yet. Well, but, uh, I, it does sound fascinating. I've only seen parts of it. I've never actually had to sit through the whole thing. I will say that I've heard several interviews with Paul Williams. So it's not only where the movie was filmed, it's also the place where Paul Williams has zero recollection of ever being for like two and a half months. (laughs) (laughs) He was incredibly high at the time. Yeah. um, We showed that at the the ETD, at the film series that we did, the No Elvis film series, we showed that movie on Laserdisc that Paul... Cornelius had Professor Cornelius, and it is a funky, weird movie. It is just strange, very strange. It, it's the Phantom of the Opera, but with Paul Williams music instead yep. of uh, instead yep. of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber music. Yeah, and the Majestic was just used for the, uh, I guess, the concert scenes. Yes, but if you're a huge fan of Daft Punk, know that this film and this specific piece of Texas history. Uh, was a huge inspiration to them. It was the very first movie that the, those two guys watched, and they've uh, they've seen it a million times, and they they bonded over that. So hmm. fascinating, fascinating Texas history. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that. We're, we may have to talk about weird Texas movies because the Robert Altman movie with Bud Court uh, is the guy who wanted the fly in the uh, Astrodome. That's another weird one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I was I just watching uh, Bubba Hotep the other day. So yeah. Weird so, Texas movies. Weird Texas, awesome Texas movies, maybe the word you're looking for. <laughs> the first Majestic Theater in Houston arrived when Hablitzel bought the Empire Theater in 1905 and renamed it. It hosted many vaudeville acts, including Al Jolson. The second was built and opened in 1910, which seated 1,500, and was known as Theater Beautiful. 
Hoblitzel opened the third Houston theater to bear the name Majestic in January of 1923. It reportedly had the distinction of being the first theater in the city to have air conditioning. And this is quite a big deal, as any knowledge of the local Houston climate makes quite obvious. Uh, this distinction is also in dispute, and we'll talk about that later. Now, other than climate control, this Majestic is renowned for its design. John Eberson envisioned something that was more akin to an outdoor garden than an indoor auditorium. It featured a starlit sky painted Mediterranean blue and clouds hovering over the heads of the audience. It's thought to be the first atmospheric theater designed by Eberson. Yeah, and just to note, the, the idea of an atmospheric theater was a departure from a previous theater design. Previous theater designs had incorporated ornate arched ceilings uh, that mimicked uh, classical architecture from, uh, you know, Greece and Italy and the Renaissance like, and all of that. Like opera houses. Of yeah, like, like opera houses. They were very ornate. Um, atmospheric theaters were intended to be more like, hey, we're not even in an auditorium. We're sitting outside in a European garden. Uh, it had, you know, skyscapes and garden-type decorations, you know, columns with taxidermied birds and uh, all sorts of interesting things like that. And a lot of times would have lighting such that when the, the show was starting, the, the, the mimic daytime sky would fade into the reds and then the blacks and deep purples of a nighttime sky and the stars would start twinkling. Um, it was a very um, interesting uh, type of uh, design for theaters. Kind of like uh, the kind of like the inside of uh, Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Eberson was uh, very much the the champion of that. He designed hundreds of theaters all across the world uh, in that style. Now, unlike the previous two Houston Majestics or any of the others that we've talked about in today's show, uh, this Majestic was always a first-run movie house from the time it was open to the day it closed. Uh, now, sadly, this particular Majestic Theater was demolished in 1971. Uh, there is currently a Majestic Metro Theater in Houston, um, but it is not the same Majestic that was uh, built and owned by Carl Hope itself. I'm... I'm I'm sure that the zoning of Houston means that where the former Majestic was is now either a car dealership or uh, a pawn shop or a endoscopy center. Yeah. Or a strip club. It's hidden in the urban landscape of uh, Houston, yeah. Texas. One of the last atmospheric theaters designed by John Eberson and built by Carl Hablitzel was opened on Houston Street in downtown San Antonio in 1929. Their third collaboration to carry the Majestic name, this theater cost $3 million and seated more than 3,700 people. It was the largest movie house in the state and the second largest in the United States. The San Antonio Majestic claims to be the first theater in Texas to be fully air-conditioned. Now, based on the dates, this theater was built after the Majestic in Houston, which also claims to have been the first in that city to have air-conditioning. So we're not looking at primary sources. We couldn't find anything that really addresses this discrepancy, but the Majestic in San Antonio does have a pretty good story. Its opening was accompanied by advertisements touting an acre of cool, comfortable seats, which was further emphasized by snow topping the letters of the theater's name. Society women attending the June opening wore their fur coats. Yeah, so June in Texas, and the ladies are showing up in their fur coats because of the air conditioning. In San Antonio, no less. The opening day acts included the musical film Follies of 1929, 
live performances by Mexican troubadour Don Galvan, an acrobatic troupe, and the father of country music himself, Jimmy Rogers. He reportedly got 18 curtain calls. Each week thereafter included a feature film followed by a new lineup of star performances. It closed for a brief period during 1930 due to the Great Depression, but soon reopened because people were turning to movies for escape from their everyday lives. Architectural features of this grand venue included a giant cast iron canopy over the sidewalk, a 76-foot sign outside that started on the 7th floor of the 17-story building, and a cave-like single-story lobby. There was an aquarium filled with tropical fish, and stuffed birds adorned the perches near the ceiling of the auditorium or captured mid-flight suspended by wires. The majestic's blue ceiling cloudscape gives the feeling that you're under an evening sky, featuring small light bulbs that mimic stars, their placement determined by experts from the National Geographic Society. They are intended to represent the position of the heavens on the night that the theater opened. Cab Calloway and his Harlem Cotton Club performed in the Majestic in 1934, and I'm assuming that he sang many of the moocher. Now, through the many years, now through the years, many films were chosen uh, by the theater for their premieres or for special showings. Jimmy Stewart attended a showing of The Man from Laramie, and famed Texas war hero and actor Audie Murphy rode a Texas stallion down Houston Street to premiere his starring autobiographical role in To Hell and Back. But that was a sight to see. Uh, Apparently that drew record-setting crowds. That's awesome. Like nearly all the great movie palaces of its vintage, the Majestic in San Antonio was closed in the 1970s. It was put on the National Register of Historic Places in 1975. And the following year, the Hoblitzell Foundation, uh, which was founded by Carl Hoblitzell and his wife, donated this property to the Majestic Foundation. Occasional events were still held in the theater for a number of years, but it wasn't open full-time. The city of San Antonio purchased the building in 1988. Not long after this, the nonprofit La Casas organization was formed, which is also known as the Foundation for Cultural Arts in San Antonio, and its number one priority was to restore the Majestic to its 1929 condition or as close as they could get. They raised $4.5 million and completed renovations in 1989. The San Antonio Symphony made the upgraded theater its home, and it became a popular location for touring Broadway shows, concerts, and other live events. Echoing the prosperity week of its initial opening, the symphony performed Beethoven's Ode to Joy to open Majestic Week on September 14, 1989. Don Galvan, at 87 years old, returned for the celebration. Remember, he'd been one of the acts that opened the theater originally. The Majestic was made a Texas Historic Landmark in 1991 and designated a National Historic Landmark in 1993. Now, one issue facing the refurbished theater is that it had a shallow stage. It was only 27 feet deep. This wasn't large enough to support the mega musicals, which were becoming popular uh, for their touring and was becoming a potential source for significant income for the city. In 1995, a stage house expansion project began, which cost around $4 million, and it required demolishing and reconfiguring the walls between the Majestic Theater and the neighboring Little Brady Building and Empire Theater. The stage is now 40 feet deep, and they added a freight elevator and additional sound isolation barriers. The first mega musical performed in the Majestic was Miss Saigon in 1997. 
The Majestic in San Antonio is now maintained by Art Center Enterprises Incorporated and continues to host touring Broadway shows such as Cats, Camelot, Lion King, Wicked, and Phantom of the Opera. The symphony moved to the Tobin Center for Performing Arts in 2014, but the Majestic continues to be the premier concert venue for musical acts such as Lyle Levitt, Tony Bennett, Sting, and Kenny Rogers, among others, and comedians like Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, George Lopez, and and ventriloquist Jeff Dunham. So I've never been to the Majestic in San Antonio. I've seen it. I've seen some really great pictures of it, Um, but it's a pretty amazing venue. And the thing you talked about just a minute ago, Sean, about the uh, the stage expansion, um, that was actually a common problem with uh, a lot of these old theaters mm-hmm. that were being upgraded that uh, start out as vaudeville or movie houses and then became venues for performing arts. It's like they had the seating for the large shows, but their actual physical stage and the, the setup around the stage was not big enough. So um, even though it wasn't mentioned, I'm pretty sure a couple of these other theaters uh, went through similar renovations to expand their stage for the larger yeah. performances. Yeah, um, you can see in the back of the Majestic Theater in Dallas, um, uh, there's a parking lot behind the building, uh, and you can see uh, the the rise of the the top of the stage. Uh, it's a big, it's kind of a kind of a, a dome, or not really a dome, but a big hump at the back of the building, and that's because they had to expand and make the make the back part larger uh, than it was originally, so it could kind of accommodate. Um, all the set, uh, the the touring set designs that are now common in the big musicals. Yeah. So, have either of you been to the Majestic in San Antonio? I've I've walked by. It's right down the street from the the Buckhorn Tavern uh, yep. and yep. Uh, Hall of, the Hall of Horns. Um, and I've actually been in the Empire Theater, which is next door. Um, they have a it's a smaller theater. It's an older movie theater, uh, not as old as the Majestic. They have a uh, some kind of Aztec volcano thing that they uh, have a, have a show of every day. So, but, um, yeah, the, the majestic, I think my parents have been down to San Antonio to see some musicals down in, uh, and at the majestic before. So, um, I, I've been saying I've not been in the San Antonio majestic, but I'm certain that not only that I'm certain that some family members have, as well as I know there's, uh, several people listening down in the San Antonio area. So send us your stories, um, about, about the San Antonio Majestic, your first-hand stories. I was going to mention real quick that, you know, uh, there's a guy named, um, do you see this Tobin Center they moved to, and then the Tobin Foundation took over and did a lot of this. He was an arts patron in San Antonio. Uh, he was uh, Robert Tobin. And so um, when he died, he was a multimillionaire, and he put all of that money in trust, and it's actually paid for a lot of the arts and renovations and things when that went together and, and have been run in San Antonio. So it's actually really nice. There's a there's a wonderful foundation that, that kind of keeps the spirit and the restoration of those art art pieces and, uh, you know, fundamental architecture of the city alive. Hooray for rich people dying. Yeah. Well, Without heirs. Yeah. No, I just think it's really cool that, uh, you know, these old grand theaters, um, you know, originated back in the vaudeville era, which has got its own charms and quirks and uh, have been, you know, most of them or a lot of them have been uh, brought back to life as modern performance and and movie venues. Um, Gives those of us in this day and age uh, a chance to experience even just a a small part of that era. Well, and an important part of that is because of the acoustics that they were built for, that they were built pre-electronic era. So, 
when someone sang or spoke, they had to be heard. And so if you're going to build a theater for 1,500 to 3,000 people, you need to have the right acoustics for someone standing alone on stage without a microphone to be heard at the back of the house. Yeah. So that's why that's why they make great venues for performing arts is because even with with speakers, it's still the sound is still great. Yeah, and uh, we kind of just you know went through the basics about uh, Carl Hoblitzel in this uh, this episode, but uh, I think. Uh, I may do some additional research on that guy and the, the Hoblitzell Foundation because I'd seen the name around here before in oh, relation yeah. to there's a park named after him and uh, there's I'm sure the you know the foundation is still active but it's all he and his wife donated their uh, estates to the foundation to uh, further and promote uh, you know performing arts in mm-hmm. in the Dallas area so um, there's a pretty good interesting story there that uh, I hope to go into one day. And in addition to that, there's a lot of other theaters in Texas that are not necessarily the the big palaces uh, like the Majestics, you know, things like the Inwood and uh, the Royal Theater in Archer City and stuff like that that are important historically and have their own interesting stories that uh, we'll probably talk about one of these days. And, and there there is a Hoblitzel, a Hoblitzel Hall at UT Dallas where we all went to school. Yep. Can't get away from that guy. He's kind of in the same air as the 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 mcdermott's and the greens and the um the johnson's in in their philanthropy is philanthropy so maybe not the same origin as those guys were but he came up from entertainment but like 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 scott said he and his wife gave away their fortune you know to support the arts and education in the state so very important that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com we'd love to hear from you so like and share us on facebook Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. We talked about movie theaters, so we're going to party. We're going to rock. We've got tickets to The Majestic. I don't know. <laughs> but you love this show, so it's your job to go out there and tell people. Tell them what we're doing. Tell them about Texas history. Tell them the great things you've learned. And go to iTunes and leave a review because it helps us to find new listeners just like you. And if you want to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.